folks, and welcome back into the pod. It's Friday, and I know that um, the gateway to the weekend really makes people happy, and I certainly hope that this pod will give you some happiness and or some hope. Um, Hope is something that is so important in the human condition, in my opinion. Because without hope, people literally cannot function. We cannot function without hope. And over these past few years, our hope was basically taken away by a malignant, narcissist, sociopath, and we couldn't get away from it because the former guy was running our country. And so we were all affected. And honestly, I would say to you, if you never watch the news and you don't stay up on current events, you were still affected negatively because those people around you were affected negatively and it just permeated our society and our country in an insidious and negative way. But this podcast is about the but. You know, I said in a previous pod that the worst thing that was left by the former guy to our country was this level ridiculously high level of distrust and disinformation. And so many people, even though they are not, you might not be one who believes in conspiracies, which I hope you're not, or falls for things when they sound crazy. Again, it's still permeated into our country, into our minds, no matter how resistant we are to disinformation, misinformation, conspiracy, etc. It still brings you down in a way that is tangible and a little scary, to be honest. But here's what I have to say about that. As I make my way on a little drive to go to my old Whole Foods, that I still love so much, even though I have one five minutes from my house. Gas prices are down a bit, so I felt like I could take a little ride and not be ridiculous. Um, I understand feeling a lack of hope because growing up in a traumatic home, you know, until I was five, my home was not traumatic. Um, I had a wonderful life that, yes, I do remember. Not a lot of detail, but I remember the feeling. Um, It makes me sad every day that my brother was too young to remember that feeling. Because we had a wonderful family. My mom was home. We had a nanny. My dad was working. And we had a beautiful brand new house with all of the... um, All of the accoutrements is the French word. All the extras that my dad provided for us, all the things that a lot of people didn't have at that time. 
early 60s, mid 60s, a washer dryer, you know, all that stuff. And if you're younger, you may not realize that when I was a baby, most people didn't have a TV. Most people didn't have a washer dryer. Most people didn't have a dishwasher, but my dad provided that for my mom to make sure that her life was easier. And, um, I would just like to say as a sidebar, my husband does that for me every single day and makes sure that my life is easier. And I'm truly grateful. In any case, until I was five, my life was wonderful until my mother split apart our family and a pedophile sociopath abuser moved in. And, um, growing up in that traumatic home felt hopeless a lot of times, but you learned to hold on to the littlest thing that gave you hope and comfort. I loved my stuffed animals. I loved school. And then we have the travesty and illegal act of moving us to Montana, which was horrifying. Sorry to my couple of Montana friends that I have left, but, um, I'm a Southern California beach girl. I am not a snow mountain, no civilization person. Anyway. Um, so again, we had to learn to hold on to the littlest thing, a friend you made. Um, I started working when I was 14. We moved there when I was 12. I worked double shifts at McDonald's, um, whatever I could do to stay out of the home and the abuse because the abuse was constant. The sexual abuse to me stopped when I was 14, but it was still abusive mentally and physically. Um, think of any kind of abuse and my stepfather liked to perform it on people. He was mentally abusive, physically abusive, sexually abusive. Um, just a worthless piece of shit. And, um, you know, he's definitely in hell and I hope he's burning there and suffering every single minute. And I'm entitled to that. And I will take it every day of the week. But you learned not to allow hopelessness to get in. Because honestly, if I had allowed that in my life, I wouldn't be here. For many, many reasons, I wouldn't be here. I'm not going to get into how I might not be here, but I wouldn't be here. And I learned to make my own happiness. I learned to look on the bright side. I learned to... Um, oh. Sorry, I didn't know where to go. Um, okay. That was uh, a police officer behind me in a rotary, which was has no room for me to pull over. So I didn't even <laughs> notice him until he put on the lights. I tried to be very aware. So sorry for that sidebar, but that's what happens sometimes um, when I'm doing my pod while I'm driving because I can do it hands-free. Um, you don't. You choose not to let homelessness in, or hopelessness in, and you choose to to hold on to the good things, and you can make your own happiness and take, live in that moment of, of gladness. Like I used to love work and I loved 
you know, helping people and waiting on people and just, you know, making them have a good experience at McDonald's. McDonald's is a great first job for kids to have. They have a great structure. I don't know if they, it's still the same. Obviously I'm super old, so I haven't worked there for decades, but, and I'm sure it's changed, but, um, it's a great first job. It's a great, um, company. Yes, it's fast food, but they always promote from within and it is, um, you can get a lot of good teamwork experience. Of course, there are many other jobs like that too, but I think it's important for kids to have jobs and it was a lifesaver for me between school and work. Um, home was not a safe place. So you kind of, you know, just made your safe places other places. And it becomes hard sometimes now because my home is a safe place. And so for both my brother and me, we take time out of the home like I'm doing right now when really I have to remember that my home is a safe place. And that might be weird for you guys to hear, but that's how it feels to grow up in a traumatic home. It's constant chaos all the time. And that is what we were all living through during the former guy's presidency. That's exactly how it felt to me. I was like, bad, awful flashbacks. I was like, fuck, this is exactly like what it feels like to grow up walking on eggshells and not knowing what's going to happen next and having this person that is so fucking unpredictable, you can't even relax, not for one minute of your life because you don't know what's going to happen next. We didn't know if a nuclear war was going to get started. We didn't know if he was going to start putting people in jail. We didn't know what rights were going to be taken away. We, you know, it was like that. It was truly like that because the more we find out, the more we understand that that's exactly what it was like living in a traumatic home. You don't know what's going to happen next. There is no peace. There is no relaxation. There is just stress. And that is awful. And that's what we all went through. And honestly, even if you were a backer of the former guy, you were still living in that chaos because people can attach to their abuser and their abusers are so manipulative that they can literally make that happen. And it happened to Patty Hearst back in the seventies where she attached to her kidnappers and it is a survival instinct. It's part of survival is that if I attach to this person, then they won't hurt me or they'll hurt me less or your brain tries to make sense of it. And that's just a human condition. So I believe that some people attached to the former guy because they felt like, oh my God, if I attach, then I won't get hurt as much just a theory. Okay. I never attached to my abuser, my stepfather or the former guy. I was like, Nope, I recognize that. Get the fuck away from me. And of course, none of us could get away as I said earlier, because it's our country. (laughs) So you had to kind of live your life in that kind of stress and chaos. 
and it affects you physically and mentally. Some people were so affected from that on top of then the pandemic that they literally can barely leave their houses even till today. And I pray every night for anybody feeling that way that you will come through that and be able to restart your life in the way that you had it before. But what we have to remember is that in that hopelessness that you might have had even though you didn't realize it, I had it and I realized it. I started looking for hopefulness just like I did as a child. Okay? Obviously, my family was okay during the pandemic. My husband was able to work at home. We were not facing serious financial issues for which I'm grateful. My brother was with us after us selling the house basically right before the shit hit the fan, which I am so grateful for because I don't know what I would have done if my brother was there and trying to sell the house. Um, my brother was in a very deep depression and we needed him here ASAP and we got him here ASAP that year before the shit hit the fan. So 2019, we sold the house. My husband flew out there one way to get my brother and drive him and Sadie back here to safety to be with us. And we're so glad he's with us. And he is too. He's still working through physical stuff and mental stuff, but he is on a good path. And for that, I'm grateful. And it's always what my dad wanted. But in that hopelessness, we started to look for the hopeful signs and make our happiness and stay in the moment while keeping our eye on the abuser. What is he doing now? What's, what's he doing? Not putting our entire focus on the former guy, but knowing what was going on and remaining vigilant. And that's what happens to people in trauma is you become hypervigilant. And so we just went right into that mode for all those four years, almost five years with the end of the administration and then before he got in and all that stuff. Um, now we are all not there. Okay. We don't have a sociopath as a president, which is a good thing. Um, you may not agree with the current president, but he's not a sociopath. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to make your air dirty, your water dirty. Um, tell half your family they can't come here. Um, restrict your rights. Um, I mean, our rights are now restricted as a fallout from the former guy. But that brings me to this week. There are many, many hopeful signs. And they are real. First of all, we know what happened on January 6th and any thinking person knows that that wasn't a bunch of tourists. When you're beating police officers, people are dying. Okay. There was planning. There were people who were armed and we're hearing more and more people were armed. Yes, there's proof. Sorry, conspiracy theorists. Okay. That was not a bunch of tourists. That was a riot an insurrection against our country. People want justice. 
People want those people who planned it, executed it, actually did it to pay. And they are because we found out last week that a grand jury, a federal grand jury was impaneled back in April. Grand juries work in secret, but it was leaked out because everybody's hair was on fire. I respect that leak. Sometimes that has to happen. And it was leaked to the Washington Post, which is significant because the Washington Post was the newspaper that outed Nixon and his criming. So see that symbolism there? Okay. Now, in addition to that, we have found out that the people closest to the former guy, right there on the right hand in the White House at the time, have been subpoenaed to that federal grand jury. Okay? Good news. Now, with the Alex Jones crazy radio asshole conspiracy theorist who's in court because the Sandy Hook families are suing him and they're all doing it separately by the way so there's this first trial this is the first one um his phone records for two years back were given to the um plaintiff's attorney which is the Sandy Hook family attorney and it was accidental but Alex Jones's lawyers gave it to them and it's a complete dump of his phone for two years He was involved in the planning of January 6th. He was staying at the hotel in Washington that was serving as a war room when people like Roger Stone and the former guy were planning this whole thing. And yes, they did plan it. And I'm sorry, conservatives, if that burst your bubble, well, guess what? My parents' bubble was bursted when Nixon had to resign. And they were like, Oh my God, we don't want someone like that in, no matter who it is. Exactly. My parents knew enough to put country first. I hope you will too. Use your brain. Country comes first. After God and family, country comes. Okay, not the former guy. Okay, he's not God, I hate to tell you. Okay? In any case, we are getting closer and closer to getting justice. Now, what does this have to do with hopefulness and hopelessness? Well, growing up in a traumatic home as a child, and every child who grew up in trauma will tell you this, that you were, we were constantly wishing for someone to come and save us. Constantly. That's what we wanted. Um, I personally, I can relate my own um, experience Personally, I would wish for um, my dad when he was alive, but I couldn't tell him what was going on because I knew if I did, he would literally, and I'm not kidding, kill my stepfather uh, and then be in jail. Um, I wished for different teachers that I had. Um, my, My stepfather did a great job of manipulation and you're afraid to tell. Um, because you're afraid that it's going to break up your family and you're going to be put in foster care and different things um, that manipulators do. Kids know a lot more now um, about how things work. So we didn't back then. And and, um, 
child sexual abuse was never spoken about ever. So it wasn't like we were hearing it in school and that gave us the, the impetus to, um, speak up. We didn't have any of that. In any case, you always wish for someone to come and save you. And then as you go, you grow up and you go through therapy, you realize you as an adult are the one who comes to save you. And yes, some children do learn about childhood sexual abuse and they do involve a teacher, another parent, a family member that does come and step in. But for most of us, even with that, it's yourself as an adult. You have the power within yourself to make your life better and to save yourself and to make every day of your life the best it can be going forward. And we have the same power as voters. We have the same power. It is up to us. If you look to Kansas, Kansas is a very, very, very conservative state. There is nothing purple about Kansas. And I have friends who are Kansans and they are very conservative. And I have respect for that, a lot of respect for that. But they came out in droves at the level of a presidential election to vote to keep a woman's right to choose. And that is amazing. It is beyond a hopeful sign. It is everything. And there are other hopeful signs happening throughout our country that people are realizing that we have the power each one of us individually. You know, he, the former guy, wanted us to feel hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, you sometimes give up. You're apathetic. You're like, oh my God, I can't care about this anymore. I've had it. Right? I get that. But this is something more important. And we have to hang on. We have to. This is the life of your children. Not just yourself. Your children, your future grandchildren, all of them. Our country is important to every person on this planet. And I'm not trying to be arrogant, but people want to come to America for freedom. They want to come to America because they know that we can elect people that run our country the way the majority wants. We do not have to allow the minority to rule. We don't. But if we live in hopelessness and just give up, and not vote and not educate ourselves, that is what will happen. And then we're gonna turn around just like Germany did in the 1930s and go, shit, we should have fucking stayed involved and voted because there's more of us than there are of them. And this isn't about party. This isn't about one party against another. This is about is not about conservative against progressive. This is about fascism against democracy. That's what it's about. And you, I promise you, you do not want fascism. You do not want women to be disallowed from going to school. You do not want women to be disallowed from voting or having bodily autonomy. You do not want your children's education to be controlled by a fascist government like it was in Germany in the 1930s. You do not want people who look differently than you or believe differently than you, religion-wise, 
to be put into camps or ghettos to ultimately be what? Killed like they were in Germany? Those are all fascist things. Fascist tendencies are disallowing a free press, changing the constitution to remove rights. All of these steps were taken by Adolf Hitler in the mid-1930s, and the first time it didn't work. So he tried again, and it did work because people were like, I can't take this anymore, whatever. They threw so much at people that people got so stressed out and hopeless that they gave up. Well, we have had a little breathing room, and I would submit to you that we have the power to save ourselves. You know, President Lincoln said, our country will not be ruined from without, from outside the country, but from within. We are not going to allow that. So this Friday, I want you to have hope. And I want you to take your power and say, we have the power and we're going to use it to keep our democracy healthy and give our children a better life, not a lesser life than what we had. Thanks for listening. 